Hey everyone, my name is Marissa Rauschway, and on this episode of New Jersey Franchise Central, I'll be sitting down with Rob Bristol from Profit Soup to discuss the ins and outs of financing a franchise purchase and some related financial topics. So without further delay, here's my Q&A with Rod. Hope you enjoy. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to participate. I uh, appreciate it. My background in franchising began about 12 years ago when I joined a company here in Seattle that taught finance to franchisees. For that, just to give you a little context, I did mergers and acquisitions work right out of college for about six years, bought my own company, a printing company here in Seattle with 19 locations, doing about five million in volume, awesome. um, sold that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, sold. Got, I got lucky, Marissa. I <laughs> sold it. I sold it in 2007. Wow. Just before the disaster <laughs> happened. I was very lucky. So, it, Well played. And then, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I was totally luck. I mean, I had nothing to do with it. I was not a stock market prognosticator. I just got lucky. And sometimes, you know, that happens to... to... Anyway, I, I joined a company that was teaching... Two franchisees in franchise networks. And one of the things about those of you who out there who are be- wished franchisee is that we've learned over the years that the franchisor will do a really good job of teaching you how to do the business. Yep. In other words, how to care for the old people or make the yep. pizza or whatever it is that, that is the, the business model. But sometimes they lack this ability to teach you how to run the business, how to actually use a financial statement, an income statement, and a balance sheet, and a cash flow statement, and marry them together. And they, sometimes they don't give you the ability to understand how important it is to do things the same way inside your network, which when you do, gives you the ability to take full advantage of all of the information that the network can provide you in the way of benchmarking, in the way of of, of processes that that help you manage the business that you own, but that is part of a much larger network better. So we did that for about 11 years. Then I went to work. And in in the process of doing that, I became what's called a certified franchise executive, a CFE, uh, going through a bunch of classes, et cetera. Uh, to get the credentials that really gave me the ability to speak to a broader franchise audience. Then I began teaching the finance portion of the CFE curriculum. I uh, did that for a number of years through the International Franchise Association that, that, that sets up this credentialing. Uh, left in 2018, I actually went to work for a franchisor. Uh, helping their franchisees uh, buy other locations and yeah. for those who are ready to sell, sell their location, helping them pro- you know, provide a value. What, what is it worth? What is the market yeah. that, that your particular kind of unit will achieve in the marketplace? Did that and then left there and I'm now working for a company here in Seattle called Profit Soup. Odd name. But a great <laughs> company, you know, we, we teach finance just like I was doing with my previous company. And we do it in a way that enables the, the listener, enables the learner mm-hmm. to study the world's most boring. <laughs> but, 
which it really is. It's a boring subject unless unless you can approach it from the perspective of if you learn yep. this, you will gain great value for, for self as a business owner, yep. uh, uh, for your ability to grow a business, to take the unit that you have and perhaps be because because you're doing better, expand your your unit to multiple units. And what are the skill sets that you need to be able? That's what I do at Profit Soup, and I also work with a, a company advisors, and we mm-hmm. help business owners in the graphic arts field, printing, uh, mm-hmm. packaging, graphic arts, sell their companies. So we do that too. Gotcha. So anyway, and I write a finance column for multi-unit franchise magazine. So those are the things that I'm about today. But I, Marissa, I love to help business owners be more successful. That gets all of us in, in, in yep. whatever consulting field we are in, gets us out of bed in the morning and makes our days go great. So the questions awesome. that, you, that you gave me that, that, you know, sort of I've had a chance to think about yep. are, you know, what are the options for buying? You're out there, you're working for, you know, a big company, you're yep. tired of it, you would like to be your own boss. How yep. do you, where does the money come from? And that is yep. a very legitimate thing to try to figure out. Well, um, it, I mean, back in the day, uh, you could, you know, take your house and you had a, you know, a $600,000 house and you owed $200,000 on it. You took out the second mortgage, yep. 150 grand, you bought your franchise, etc. Um those days are, are, if not gone, certainly there are other avenues that are typically required. Oh, so the, here's, okay, here's the thing. Before, before they get to the point of, of buying mm-hmm. a franchise, there's a great deal of work that needs to be done personally. Yeah individually trying to figure out what kind of a business do I want? What am I interested in? What are my, where where do my values lie? Because often a person, a person will purchase a franchise or, or any business without first doing the hard work of figuring out what, what makes them happy? What, what gives them the joy of their day? Because I promise, I promise you, Marissa, and the people who are listening that once you buy it, whatever it is, Whatever it is, it will be hard. <laughs> Absolutely. It will be hard. And if it's hard. And and if you don't have in your in your mind this this fundamental love of of what it is you're doing, whether it's caring for old people or serving food or or moving people or whatever that is, then it's it's much more challenging. So it's first of all, you got to do that. Then you got to get the money, right? And, and Rod, if I can just uh, jump right in, uh, I mean, that cannot be underscored or, or underlined enough. Um, I absolutely agree. Um, there's a lot of, you know, soul searching and self-reflection um, before you jump into to, to one of these. Um, and to just to double down on something that you mentioned before that I think, again, uh, certainly bears repeating, um, you know, franchisers are, are going to, you know, by and large, provide you the the quote unquote secret sauce. Um, you know, they're going to pr- provide you, you know, this system that hopefully they've they've developed and um, you know tested, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, for the people you know listening to this who, who may not have any experience in franchising yet and are just trying to get a sense of you know financing, 
um, you know, it's, it's still your business. It's still your baby. It's still, um, something you're going to put your blood sweat, um, you know, uh, your, your sweat equity in it. Um, so, um, you know, while, while you can certainly rely on, uh, on the franchiser for, for certain things, um, it, it, it is your baby, it is your business. Um, so I don't think it can be underscored enough that, that, that last point that, that you made. Um, so, you know, transitioning, um, into what I, what I think you were about to go into, you know, how, how do you finance this? Um, what are, what are the options? Um, I, I, I would love, and, and I'm, I'm sure people, um, listening to this would love your take, um, because there are some, you know, maybe potentially obvious ones and, and certainly some not so obvious ones. I certainly get this question all the time. So, uh, I will let you take it from here. If, yeah, all good advice. And, uh, you know, and this is not anything new, but I think it's really important in the item in the franchise disclosure document. Write this down, everybody. Review item 19. Item 19 is the franchisor's disclosure of the financial structure of the franchise business. Now, <laughs> and there are a lot of ways that these item 19s are constructed. Uh, some of them uh, are very highly sanitized and, uh, you know, they toss out the outliers on the top and the bottom, etc. And they present to you sort of a, a washed, if you will, version of, of what success is in the world of franchising. And some of them are very accurate. Look at that. Look at that item 19, because it's going to give you a sample of what a, if you will, quote unquote, normal franchise is going to do in the way of gross volume in the way really, really important, and in the way of net at the bottom. Because eventually, when you go to your friendly bank and you're going to ask <laughs> for a loan, they're going to actually want to know whether or not you can repay it. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but it's really the truth. <laughs> so if, if, and you can take the item 19 and with your ability to, to know where you're at and how much money you have to invest, and with the ability to demonstrate to a bank over a three-year uh, future earnings cash flow cycle that you will have these revenues, you'll get to break even at this particular point, and, and from there you'll be able to obviously, thoughtfully, wisely, conservatively pay the bank back, that takes your loan proposal from the bottom of the stack up to the top of the stack because they know that you have a clue how you are going to repay the loan. And so many people go to the banks with loan proposals that are inept, that are, are mm -hmm. simply not prepared professionally. They don't give the bank the confidence that the, the, the loan applicant actually understands what... Huh, what the bank wants, which they want the money back yep. and they want a little interest on it too. So yep. if, if you can, if you can have a, you know, if, if you are not competent financially, in other words, if you have never done a, a three year cash flow projection, uh, write this down. There is an organization that's, it's absolutely free and it's called America's Small Business Development Centers, the ASBDC. And it's one of the best kept secrets in, in business today. And there are about a thousand offices around the country. The counseling that they provide is free. I've trained probably over a thousand of their counselors 
over the years in finance. And if, you were, if you're thinking about buying a franchise, I encourage you to contact your local SBDC office and just sit down with a counselor and review the information that you've received from the franchisor. Perhaps you're mm-hmm. to the point where you've got an FDD and you're looking at your financing package, trying to figure it out. Talk with them. They're wise. Most of them are, many of them, maybe not most, but many of them are former <laughs> bankers. They, uh, they are, most of them are former business owners. And they, this is not SCORE. This is not a group of retired people. These are, these yep. are active. They work every day driving the success of small businesses. And I, I just I can't uh, say enough how, how terrific they are and what a valuable resource they are that so many people don't know about. So, you know, the ASBDC, you can look them up online, you can find your center, give them a call. There's probably somebody within a 10 or 15 mile radius of where you are, especially if you're in New Jersey, New York. Uh, both states have excellent organizations and uh, would encourage you to connect with them. So now. Awesome. That's a really good value. Thanks, Rod. You're welcome. Now, next thing, if you are a corporate person, you've been in the business, they've been in the corporation for the last 20 years, you've got your 401k all set up and you've got, let's say you've got uh, six or $700,000 in your 401k. One of the ways financing your franchise is what's called ROBS. And ROBS is the rollover for business startups funding process. And it allows you to use your 401k funds to actually finance a new business. Complicated, it requires expert help to be able to do that success. And there are a couple of firms that do that. Uh, the one that, you know, there, well, there are two. There's Guidant Financial and there's Benetrends. And I, I really encourage you to consider if, if you are at that state in, in life where you're, you're going to go out of your corporation into your own small business and you have that resource, I encourage you to really do some study on it. Uh, and it doesn't fit everybody. I mean, if you've, if you've got less than $40,000 in your IRA, you know, your 401k plan, it's probably not going to help you. Um, that, but if I mean if you if you have resources like that, right. you should consider doing a ROBS. Uh, you're going to have to set up a C corp. Uh, you, you need a brand new qualified plan. Um, I mean, as I've already said, it requires some expertise to do that. But the modest cost for the expertise is more than made up in the ability to basically get what it fundamentally provides you is interest-free financing. And that today can, can be very helpful. Um, and it's, it's financing that you provide as opposed to having to, to go through a bank. And a lot of people do a combination of uh, Rob's financing. Let's talk a little bit. Is it okay to just talk a little bit about the SBA? Yeah, Rod, actually, right? you just broke up um, the last uh, 30 seconds. If you wouldn't mind just repeating um, the combination um, I, again for everyone. <laughs> Oh. No, it's not your fault. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, uh, so a lot of people use a combination of a Rob's yep. financing plan plus an SBA loan. 
and the, the that combination can be very powerful and helpful. And especially, say for example, you're you're going into a franchise organization. Yep. You're going to buy a three pack, meaning that you're going to commit to not just open one, God help you, but you're yep. going to open three of them. And you have a specific number of months that you've agreed to be able that you will, with your resources, do that three pack yep. um, a process. It's it's really important to to think through how you were going to yep. finance that. Because what so often happens is that you'll get the first one up, you'll get to break even, and just about that time, it's time to then open the second one. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the financial starts to implode. One, because maybe you didn't get to break even fast enough mm-hmm. for the first one. Two, there may be additional costs and expenses opening the first one that you didn't understand or uh, analyze properly, which you're going to have to then also invest in the second one. And it's very, very messy. Yep. So the, the, the whole process of having multiple financing source, you're doing a multiple, multiple um, opening multiple stores over time is really, really important. Um, so now SBA. Um, hey Rod, if I could just stop here for a second, just to follow yeah. up on something with with the Robs, because um, again, just just questions that I get uh, frequently in my my practice that I want to uh, shoot over to you. Um, so so with the Robs, is that typically something that your traditional, um, just like corporate accountant or or, or CPA, um, can help with, or in, in your opinion, um, is that uh, you know a bit more specialized? Um, than, than your typical sort of accountant uh, work? In my experience, it's, it's more, more, um, more complicated. Okay. And accountants, tax accountants, don't really have a good background in it. I mean, if they're really serious about it, they should connect with Benetrends. Um, it's, you know, yep. it's, it's not that expensive. Uh, they do a really great job. And you need a professional expertise now, but obviously ask your, your own accountant, say, Hey, can tell me about your experience with Rob's, you know, the rollover business startups funding program. And if they go, well, then (laughs) you know that maybe they're not the right ones, Um, but there are excellent resources out there that aren't expensive. And for some, some individuals, Rob's funding is really helpful. For the rest of us, it's going to wind up being an SBA loan. I mean, that's just kind of the way the world works. And I just want to give a couple of fundamentals. Uh, if you're yes, interested please. in doing an S, yeah, if you're interested in doing an SBA loan, you have to have reasonable credit. I mean, by that I mean if your credit score is under 680, don't even bother. Um, you know, they're not going to. They're not going to. They're not. Five hundred thousand. That's probably too much. But if you're looking at a hundred and fifty thousand dollar SBA loan, you're going to probably wind up having to put between fifteen to twenty percent down. And so, if you don't have that level of capital available if through your own personal resources, it's really tough. It's really tough to 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 go through the SBA process. Now, there are some banks in SBA loans, and they're not hard that not that hard to find. And in, in each individual local area, there is typically one bank that sort of stands out that says, we are the SBA loan people. And typically they have on their staff bankers who specialize in doing SBA loans. And, and, and as I said earlier, SBA loans are, are complicated. 
and they require a level of expertise and experience, which if you can find that banker and you get them on your team, that's really to your advantage. Next thing to write down, shop for your banker, okay? Don't just take go into your bank that you've been banking with for the last 10 years as a personal account and expect that bank or credit union or whatever, whatever financing organization you're using to be the one that's going to assist you in buying your business. It typically doesn't work that way. a commercial banker specializing in SBA loans to get you through the process. And um, they're not that hard to find. I mean, just, you know, go online, look for the people that are uh, touting the fact that they're SBA lenders in your local area, uh, chat with a couple of them, and you'll find someone that you can work with that will, I think, you know, much better assistance for you. Somebody has to be the boss. Somebody needs control. And some of the most challenging things I've seen as a, as a person who works with businesses are the, the two guys who come together, the great plan, we're going to be 50, 50 mm -hmm. partners. And so they do that. And about three years later, uh, the wheels fall off the bus, bad things happen, and nothing, nothing can happen because no one can make a decision. Somebody has to be the boss. Somebody has to have the ability to say, well, I own control. Yeah. I have control and I am going to make the decision. So often in business, we discover that the, the worst decision is not being able to make a decision. The worst decision is not being able to move forward in some direction. You know, mm -hmm. pick one, go that way. And, and whenever you have this, this equal partnership or a third, a third, a third, and you can't, you know, you can't get people to agree to a direction. It's so hard. Yep. It is so hard. And so I just, you know, if you're looking out there and you are thinking about a business and you're thinking about partners, retain control. Write that down. It's important. Retain control. I mean, it sounds stupid. I know. But I'm just giving you the fundamental guts of what's going to help you be successful yep. going forward. Retain control. All right. Yep. What else, where else would you like me to go? Yeah, no, Rod, this is all really, really, really valuable stuff. Um, uh, one, one thing I wanted to drill down on, because um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out questions to you that, you know, that I get um, repeatedly in, in my practice. So I'm guessing if one person had the question, then um, many others do as well. Um, I mean, Makes this, sense. Th this may seem um, quite basic, but, but I, I think it's important, particularly for those who um, really are just considering buying a franchise and, and they've never done this before in terms of timing. Um, you know, if, if somebody is um, likely looking to, um, to get, you know, a loan or, or get banks involved um, you know, when, when typically you say um, makes sense um, during the sort of the franchise buying process um, does it make sense to, to start reaching out on, on these financing options? Um, I know, you know, just, you know, depending on what kind of financing somebody gets, um, you know, you, they may need to see a signed franchise agreement. Um, you know, the, for, for SBA loans, um, they require certain addendum, um, to be attached to a franchise agreement, you know, that may conflict with what a franchisor um, typically wants um, it, their, their franchisees um, to, to, you know, to, to sign rights over to them. Um, so I just wanted to 
um, give you an opportunity to give give people a sense of you know how the timing works depending on what kind of financing they're they're looking at. Uh, such a good question. So the financing starts with your cash flow projections. I mean, how quickly are you going to get to break even? Yep. I mean, and so often the franchisees who are buying the franchise miss it by a year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I think it's going to be, I think I can get to break even in six months. So I've got the capital that's going to allow me to carry my business nine months. I'm good. (laughs) And it takes them 18 to get to break even. And so now they're feeding this business. They're using all of their resources to try to keep the thing alive because they didn't, they didn't capture the idea of break even. So once, it, once you get the, the FDD, get the FDD, look at the cash flow projections, look at their expectations of, of, of what it's going to look like. What is the ramp up? Some item 19s provide it, some item 19s don't. Um, but you should be able to, to do the process of saying, all right, how, how long is it going to take me from the time we open the doors? And then, of course, there's all the investment that it takes to get to that. From there, I've got a year. Let's give it 12 months to get to the point where I'll actually stop writing a check every freaking month for the pleasure of owning this business. That's the first step. I mean, I know, I know that sounds terrible, but it's the first step. That, and until they can figure that out, they are not ready to go look for financing. Once they do figure it out, then they're ready to go to the bank to say, here's what I need. I need the upfront capital to be able to open the business and swing the doors open. And it's X. It's the franchise fee, fee plus the build out plus my, my inventory, my working capital to be able to carry receivables if I have to do that. And I need enough money to carry me for 12 months. And this is what it's going to look like. And if I can get that $250,000 from you, Mr. Banker, then I'm good to go. Now, your question to me was, when do, you, when do you begin the process or how long does the process take? I think, in my experience, it's, it's about mm-hmm. a year. Um, plus or minus, you know, depending on how financially capable a person is and how, how astute their advisory, you know, friend, p- people are around mm-hmm. them. But it takes about a and, and, and by that, I mean, from the time that they say, you know, this job sucks. <laughs> I want out of here. I am, I am going to be. And from the time that they do that, to pick the franchise yep. that they wish to buy, to do the financing, to be able to get the financing package approved. This is this is not this is not swinging the doors open on the on the business yep. yet. Okay, so yep. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting the money to be able to do what you want to do. It takes about a yep. year, and if it takes any less than that, then you have probably not checked all the boxes that you need to check to be able to be ready to not just buy the darn thing. I mean. I know this sounds terrible, okay? An awful lot of people can buy a business. I don't care if it's a franchise or any other business. It is totally possible to find some poor, unsuspecting lender to give you the money to buy the business. 
The challenge is to make it yep. profitable, to actually make the business make money, to be able to pay you and pay back the yep. lenders. And work has to come in. That's where visiting with other other franchisees in the network who who maybe started yep. three years ago, who who you can connect with to say, so what worked, what didn't work? How long did yep. it really take to get to positive cash flow? Because that that's it. I mean, if I could underscore one thing in, in the time that we're yep. spending together is for the listeners to understand positive cash flow. And I'm not talking about mm -hmm. profitability. Profitability is important. Obviously, that's really important. And that's totally measured and managed differently than cash flow. And if we can get them to understand cash flow and, and how critically important it is and where it comes from, how it's managed, is it a business that is a cash business, like a restaurant, where people come in to change. Yep. They use a card. Next day, you pay the three and a half percent. But you, as opposed to a home healthcare business, where you bill the insurance company, <laughs> who is not really all that excited about paying right. you. And you know, and ninety days later, maybe you get the check, or you're you're doing a lot of Medicare yep. work. And to not understand the ramifications of the difference between those two business models is really important. I mean, it's. Yep. Make, perfect make sure that, you know, make sure that you that you're ready to to manage the cash flow. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's incredibly helpful um, and, and to just have a sense or more than a sense um, of, you know, the, the cash flow for your business um, seems to be a, a certainly critical aspect, not just for a franchisee, but any business owner. Um, and I think that's actually a perfect transition um, into another topic that I was hoping to get your, your thoughts on during, during this podcast. Um, and that's just, you know, once you... Um, you know, start your franchise business and now you're in the thick of things. Um, if you could just talk a little bit about um, really uh, financial record keeping, bookkeeping, um, you know, for, for those, again, who aren't really in franchising yet and, and just want to get a sense, um, you know, one of mm -hmm. the big differences in being a franchisee um, is that you likely are going to have a lot of reporting requirements um, to the, the franchisor. Um, so while in any business, it's certainly uh, important to, you know, keep uh, more than an eye on um, your books, um, it's particularly critical in the franchise con uh, context. Um, so, Rod, if you could just talk briefly um, maybe about some tips or um, just some practical um, guidance um, on, on this part of the business. I think that would also provide a lot of value. Okay. So everybody write this down. Does your franchisor do benchmarking? Does your, that's a question that I want you to ask them. Do you do an or an every other year benchmark study? Now, why is that important? Because in order to be able to complete such a thing successfully, you go back to the fundamental basic accounting tool that is critical to the success, the overall success of a network, which is a COA, a chart of accounts. 
that everybody in the system utilizes, whether they use it in QuickBooks or, or Zero or whatever, whatever the accounting package is that is recommended by the franchisor, they give you a chart of accounts and they ask you to manage your business this way. Put all of the expenses, all the revenues, rather, in, in this, these revenue lines, put all of the expenses in these expenses, put all of your administrative and overhead expenses in these buckets, and do it the same way because that is everyone in the network is doing it the same way. Then at the end of a year, a benchmark study allows you to participate in, a, in an exercise that says, this is how the, the network looks financially. This is the top 10%. This is the bottom 10%. And here's everybody in the middle. And, and why are they different? What causes, so there's a typical benchmark study and, and I'm getting to, I'm going to try to answer your question, okay? Typical benchmark study and we've done so many of these over the years. Um, the typical franchise revenue is a million dollars and it's going to be any sort of, any sort of franchise where they're doing, you know, 80 to 90,000 a month. The top 10% on that million dollars are going to make about 20% to the owner, about $200,000. The bottom 10% are, are, are going to lose 10 grand, maybe to eke out a, a living of maybe $20,000. And everybody else in the middle is anywhere The benchmark study explains why, that's, why that happens. What are all of the little things that happen inside this business? Each individual line item on, on that profit and loss statement that gives them a sense of why, why is it that my cost of goods sold are 25% and the top 10% cost of goods sold, same revenue line, same million dollars, are only 17%. Mm -hmm. And does that 3% matter to me? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, it really does. <laughs> because if you take that 3%, plus another 10 or so percentage points and various, you know, a half a percent here and a percent here and a one and a half percent here on the line items that you have control over in your business. And you begin to look like the really successful people. All of a sudden you move from eking out a living of about 30 a year, maybe up to 90, 120 a year, yeah. 10 to 12 percent, which is probably where you, and it's, it's all about having a network for everybody. Everybody in that network does it the same way. And then they are, everybody is sold out to have every single business in that, work, in that network more successful. And it's done through having proper accounting. Yep. And honestly, Marissa, it doesn't matter what, what most good franchisors today will require QuickBooks and they will have a, 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 a chart of accounts that they say, do it this way. The new franchisee typically takes that chart of accounts to their old accountant that they've been working with in the past. And the accountant says, oh, well, no, we're not going to do it that way. No, uh, we're going to make we're going to move this around here. See, I don't really think that I don't agree with that. We're going to do it this way. And all of a sudden, the, what they participation in a network where everyone is hopefully working together to ensure everyone else's success which mm -hmm. actually sometimes happens in the world of franchising is, yep. is moot because they yep. are not participating in, in the network the that, they actually, yep. that they actually bought into. 
And yep. it's just, it's so frustrating as you're, as a finance person, you know, working yep. with a franchisee to say, so why, why are you doing it this way? You, you gain nothing by trying yep. to be the outlier in, yep. in managing your financial records. It's just yep. dumb. Franchisees yep. don't like that, <laughs> but you know, sometimes that's the message, right? All right. Yeah, so, no, nope, makes perfect sense. Yeah, oh, okay. I think that's 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 good value. I mean, you're focusing on the you know there are obviously pros and cons to franchising, and you may as well not shoot yourself in the foot um, for one of the pros. Right. So, what else can I do to help? Um, so, I think that also adds a lot of good value. Um, the the only thing else that I really have here is again, you know, I know I keep saying this, um, but it, it it's it's so important. Um, you know, really for the person sitting out there um, who is thinking of buying a franchise, doesn't really have any experience. I'm sure they've gotten you know some really good value on this um, podcast so far. Um, is there anything else that you think a would be franchisee um, should know just fr- from a, a, a financial perspective um, before getting into um, buying a, a, a franchise. Anything else that you know w- w- you think would provide value to somebody you know sitting in the car right now listening to this? Sure, um, buy a franchise from a franchise that you like. I know that sounds stupid, but um, it, it, it's. Really the truth. Um, when you buy the franchise, you're going to go into it with the idea, well, you know, I, I work 60 hours a week now for my, for my big corporate boss. Yep. And uh, I'm going to be in business for myself and I'm going to work eight hours a day, five days a week. And um, yeah, the world is not like yep. that. Uh, for the first two or three years, when you own your new franchisee, you're going to work 12 hours a day, six, sometimes seven days a week. And if you don't have your management act together so that you are hiring wisely and hiring people who are a, a part of your team, and if you, if you can't create that team concept where we are, we're here, we are motivated, we have a clear vision and a clear direction of what we're going to accomplish, then you will be, be disappointed in the people who, who turn over. Yep. And then all of a sudden now, you know, you, you had somebody who was doing this job and now you're doing their job plus your job trying to retrain again. So leadership, yep. just understanding leadership and understanding. I know this is about finance, right? But, but yep. uh, what, right now I'm talking about what is it that you want to accomplish in, in your life? And Becoming an entrepreneur is not an easy process. I'm sorry, I'm going to back up. Becoming an entrepreneur is a relatively easy process. You can probably go find a franchise to buy and you'll probably find some crazy bank that's willing to give you the money. The problem is all of a sudden you own it and you have to run it and manage it. And that takes people. It's not, about, it's not all about you. Now you're going to become the person who has to make everyone else on the team, as I've already said, work and, and show up and do their job and be interested in and motivated by whatever it is you do. And if you, are, if, if you go into this with the idea that, well, you know, I'm, I'm not just going to you know, own one sandwich shop. I want to own 10 sandwich shops. 
which sometimes is what it takes to be able yep. to make the kind of, of money, the personal money that you wish to achieve for your family's lifestyle. The management process, the management skill set that it takes to run 10 sandwich shops is significantly different than the management skill set that it just takes to work one. Yep. Yes, you can have a very successful sandwich shop and maybe you and your spouse can have two very successful sandwich shops because you work one and she works one. And then maybe you can have a third one because you have a trusted family member. You run out of people, okay? You run out of family members and have to hire someone that, that you can trust with that. So write this down, everybody. Write this down. Management systems. Management systems that are professional in quality, that are, are financially driven, that are, that are, that are uh, financially focused, will help you help you manage a larger organization. And when you're looking at your franchisor and you're saying, okay, so you know, you're doing it the discovery day and you're all excited about it and you say, okay, so this is the management process to manage one. What is different? How do you support me differently when I'm going to be managing five? And yep. if the franchisor gets this blank look on their face and they have no answer for you, well, then you know a couple of things. One, it's going to be a lot harder for you to grow the franchise business that you wish to, to, to ultimately own. And two, you're going to have to come up with your own, your own skills and your own management knowledge and understanding through classes or or whatever it is to be able to gain the skill set to manage multiple locations multi-unit ownership is a driving factor <laughs> network growth some mm -hmm. franchise networks do that really well and some franchise networks don't do that very well at all and if yep. your goal if your goal is to not just make $50,000 a year out of one organization, one, one location, but you want to make $300,000 a year out of multiple locations, then you have to understand that pathway and, and make sure that the franchise organization that you are going to affiliate with has a pathway. It has a pathway. And I mean, or if you're going to just have one location or one activity and you want to know how are you going to grow? One of the franchise organizations that we worked with, it was a lawn care company. And they had this, this process by which they could show you every single step of the way, how you begin with sort of the person in the van approach. You know, you've got one van and then you're going to have two and then you, you're going to move out of your home office to your, to your small rental office. And then from there, you're going to do this. You're going to have four vans and you hire this person and then you've got this person coming on board. And then there was this seven-year plan. I mean, de detail laid yep. out where if a person started and they just followed the plan, they would wind up a very successful multi, you know, multi-van, you know, yep. $250,000 to $300,000 a year net income yep. franchisee. That is the kind of thing that you, if you're looking for a franchise and you have that level of aspiration, that's the kind of question that you need to be asking. What is the direction? What is the, how do you go from one to whatever it is you want to be? One that instead yep. of it's, you know, $300,000 a year, it's $3 million a year. 
Do you have the plan and direction that gets me there? Absolutely. Brad, I think that is great. Great. I mean, all of it has been great um, advice and, and, and lots of value. And I'm I'm sure anyone listening to this um, certainly uh, came away with um, some, some good uh, critical information in, in, in hopefully their, their journeys to investigate a, a franchise that that may be right for them. Um, I want to once again thank you for for your time today, and also um, I want to give you and Profit Soup a, a shout out because um, I believe you guys um, are will be doing a presentation um, at the uh, IFA uh, annual convention. You um, feel free to give give the info on that for for everyone oh. listening. Yeah, thanks so much. Absolutely. So we are we are so fortunate this year to have been selected to present. Uh, one of the first new classes for what's called the Institute of Certified Franchise Executives, the ICFE program. And I, I taught, the, as I mentioned earlier, the finance program for um, uh, the CFE credentialing at IFA for a number of years. So this is a full day program. It's going Saturday, February 8th at the IFA conference. And we are going to be presenting an all-day financial training program that is focusing on multi-unit expansion, taking the things that I've talked about so far you know, in our podcast today and really expanding on it exponentially. Uh, and it's for a, a franchisee who has a single location that would really like to expand to multiple locations. It's for a franchisor, which is typically the attendee at IFA. It's typically franchisors who... Who are struggling you know they're at 50 units and and they would really like to grow to 150 units they're not sure that they want to deal with another 100 franchises they would what they'd really like is for the 50 that they have to be able to expand and and go from one to two to three to five locations that franchisor has to have a set of skills a set of resources different than the skills and resources that they provide for the typical single location owner. And, and th- these are the things that we're going to really delve into. What is the, what are the financing looks like? What, what are the managements? What is the capital structure, et cetera? So we'd be delighted provides if, if you're out there and you're a franchisee of Zor and you're trying to complete your certified franchise executive credentialing in 2020, it provides 200 CFE education credits takes all day. If you're interested, I mean, I'm at Rod Period Bristol at ProfitSoup.com. I'd be happy to you know show you um, how to register, etc. The thing that we do is we do financial training, uh, primarily for franchise conferences. So if you if you have a conference coming up and you really think that your network needs needs financial education it needs to take the financial knowledge and understanding of the network and raise it to the next higher level well we're your guys and and lady we are (laughs) we're funny i I know that (laughs) finance is fun (laughs) well i think that is a great cap uh, to the to the podcast rod um once again um I, I really appreciate your time today. I'm sure people who listen to the podcast uh, very much appreciate this. Um, it was it was great value, um, and uh, you know we wish you the best at the the presentation at, at oh, the thanks. IFA. And um, once again, I thank everyone uh, out there for listening. I uh, thank Rod Bristol and, and Profit Soup for for providing the information, and uh, looking forward to providing additional uh, valuable franchise information uh, in the weeks to come. So thank you again, Rod.
Thank you, Marissa. For, appreciate you. Got the it. Have a good one, everyone. Mm-hmm. You.